I'm going to take care of those. Hey, I, I got a joke I saw today. Y'all ready? Y'all need to smile. You anybody ever heard of VO5, you know, the shampoo? Well, they're making some just for men. Got to be a manly man, okay? It's 13 in one. 13 in one just for men. It's shampoo. It's conditioner. It's body wash. It's toothpaste. It's mouthwash. It's deodorant. It's peanut butter. It's Gatorade. It's milk. It's tinfoil. It's tennis shoes, dental floss, and eye drops. Come on. Got to be a manly man to use that stuff, right? So I started, you know, we're in this series about thinking and brain freeze. Stop thinking about this and start thinking about that and changing your thinking. And about two and a half weeks ago, I got an email. I got two or three more sermons on this. I've already decided every year we're going to do something because our thinking can be stinking. And we have to change our thinking and we have to get it in line with the Word of God. And I got an email and this sermon came out of this email. They, they um, asked 1,000 pastors what they thought. And it was terrible. And I'm talking basic Bible believing. And I said, Lord, what is going on? He goes, well, what do your people think? I said, okay. Everybody in here may have a different opinion. But on these five things, we need to settle down and we need to know what we believe, Okay. And so we're going to go over some basic stuff today because you need to settle it in your heart. Maybe that's why you're not living in victory. Is you have wrong thinking, you're wrong. And because here's the deal. This seat of your thinking right here is where your believing begins. This is where hope comes. And, and the devil will feed you wrong thinking and you always go back to his lies. Quit it. He is a liar and the father of it. And, you know, we're going to hang out on number two pretty good, and, and hopefully we finish the whole thing. But hear me. He's a liar. I remember when Pastor Glenn was here, he called Jeff up, and he said, the devil will bend you down. And Jeff was bent down, and then Pastor Glenn walked away. And Jeff stayed bent down. He goes, that's exactly the way the devil, he'll bend you down and leave you alone because he's got you. Well, if you go down the same rabbit trail in your mind, thinking, thinking, the stinking thinking, you're defeated. He goes, don't bother them. Don't anybody bother them. They, you know, they're going through tough times and their thinking's wrong. And so, do you know that the devil had to learn how to trick you and entice you and lie to you? He didn't just, you know, come up with it. He had to learn everything that belonged to you that he got from you. So, let's dig in. Well, so what do you think about it as a title? Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. We've went over that. You need to be proven in your mind that the Word of God is a truth. So number one, we're going to dig into it. The Word of God is the absolute truth. 33% of pastors, evangelical pastors, even those pastors, do not believe the Word of God is absolute truth. They say the truth is what you just think. If whatever you think is true, it's true. That's ah, wrong answer. Jeopardy. You're out. You're lost. The word of God is the truth. His ways are higher. His ways are better. And he said, you can learn my ways and live my ways. 
And he goes, the, so the word of God is the, the highest truth. It's the absolute truth. It may be true that your cousin's living in sin. It may be true that your cousin's not saved. It may be true, but the higher truth is that God wants him saved. Amen. The higher truth that we're going to stand on, that he'll send angels to encamp about your cousin that needs Jesus and draw them. The Holy Spirit will go and draw them in. But that's the word of God I'm standing on. Not feelings. It's the word of God is that the truth. And so we need to stand on the truth and we need to know. And John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. In the beginning, uh, he was with God. Jesus is the word of God. Okay? And he became flesh in verse 14. And so Jesus, and we'll talk a little bit more about this. He was born of a virgin. The spoken word of God went into Mary and Jesus was conceived. Amen? Amen? Born of a virgin. Got to get that. That's one. That's another truth. Come on. That's the real deal. It had to be, and I'll explain it in just a minute. But, but look, look at John 6, 63. Jesus said, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. You want, some, you want a better life? You start speaking Jesus' words. You start living Jesus' words. You can you know, we're saved by grace, but grace empowers us to live for Jesus. And so we have got to start living for Jesus, and we have got to put our faith, and our hope comes from the Word of God, and our faith derives from the Word of God to live by the Word. There is no other, no, no, no. I don't care what the president says. I don't care what they say in Zimbabwe. I don't care what's going on in the Ukraine. The Word of God is the truth. No matter what hell you're going through, Jesus is still Lord. Amen. And I've had to prove that out myself because I've been through hell. And man, I smelt like smoke for, for a time. Y'all don't get that. <laughs> you can smell like smoke, but you still know Jesus is Lord. Amen. Paul was shipwrecked three times, whipped with rods. And man, we just think, you know, they hit him with a switch. That's a scar. Every lick is a scar. Right. I mean, it's going to the muscle. Deep scar. Left, they stoned him to death. You know, I always thought, you know, if they started stoning me, I'd just fake it. You know, how you fall out and I'm not dead. I'm not, you know, I'm dead, but I'm not. Well, they come up with a big rock and finish you off. They finished him off and the disciples gathered around and prayed for him and God raised him up. So, so this is the word of God and we have to believe the word of God. It's the truth. Not what grandma said, not what grandpa said, not what anybody else said. Maybe your old pastor because you know what? We just read 33% of pastors have gotten it wrong. I mean, or, you know, or 33 have gotten it right. It's, it's scary. Only 33%. The Word of God. That's why we've got to read the Word of God. That's why we have to teach our children the Word of God. And we have kids turn here this week. We're excited they're here. They're, they're in the back right there. And, and we're having a kids revival. We're teaching them about Jesus Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And yeah, we've, they're going to have a blast. But they need to know, you have to teach your children the Word of God. Pray over them. But let their thinking that they, if you teach them the Word, they'll begin to think the Word. Come on, every one of us think. If you're doing a, 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 a math problem, 2 plus 2 is 4. 2 minus 2 is 0. How do I know that? Because it was ingrained in me in the second grade. First grade, second grade, third grade. Then your multiplications come, and there's rules. How many of you know that God has good rules? 
Well, I don't go to church because he's going to preach against me. Huh? God's rule is grace and mercy on you. There is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, quit condemning yourself. Just, just go ahead and say it. If you've, if you've had an abortion, God loves you. And he forgives you. It's not right, but he still loves you and he forgives you. If you've been divorced, God loves you and he forgives you. Come on. Anything you can name that you're guilty of, you've been an alcoholic, maybe you're an alcoholic here today, God wants to set you free. He loves you and he wants to forgive you. That's what the Word of God teaches. Okay, y'all with me now? All right, number two. Stay with me. The Holy Spirit's a person. 33% of pastors say the Holy Spirit isn't a person. Instead, it's a symbol of God's power and just a replica of God's presence. And it's not real. Oh, Holy Spirit, you're real. I didn't say that from my heart. I believe you are real. As a matter of fact, he's here. He's here every time we come together. You know, I, I I sensed the presence of the Lord before we ever started worshiping. And you can know the presence of God. You need to learn to distinguish between the presence of God and feelings. Because you can come in here feeling bad, feeling down. But if you'll drop those feelings and get into the presence of God, your life will change. It will change. And the Lord will deliver you out of things. And he'll speak to you and show you things to come. That's what the Holy Spirit's about. But just, just real quick, it's number three that I really want to hang out on. But let's look at John 14, 16. And Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may, he may abide with you forever. That, that second he is the Holy Spirit. He's a person, not an it. It's not a symbol. Uh, for he knows him and you know him and he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to lay hands on the sick to see them recover, the same Holy Spirit there Jesus prayed for people to raise them from the dead, that same Holy Spirit lives on every believer. Amen. Every believer, the Holy Spirit's in you. And he's not weird. You're weird. And I'm weird. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He doesn't make you do anything. You have to say, I submit. I want to follow you, Holy Spirit. I want to hear your voice. I want to, I want, you're with me. I want to be with you. Huh? I know y'all, I don't, okay. I, let me turn around and preach. I know you've been out with your spouse and you really wasn't with them. I don't want to be here. Uh, you know, my wife made me go to the movies and it, it's not, you know, it's, it's not Rambo. Oh, I don't want to be there. And I don't like popcorn, but I will drink a soda if I have to. But, you know, you, there's times that you're not there, but the Holy Spirit's always with you. You need to be in tune with him, in line with him, want to be with him, want him to be with you. Okay. One more, John 16, 13, he will guide you into all truth. So the word of God is the truth. He's going to talk about the truth. The Holy Spirit's not going to tell you anything that's out of the will of God. The Word of God is the will of God. What Jesus, Jesus is perfect, perfect doctrine. That makes religious people mad. They want to make up their own doctrine. No, Jesus is perfect doctrine. There we go. I thought we was missing that. Now I can't see nothing. That's okay. So, So anyway, Jesus is perfect doctrine. 
We need to be in line. Then the Holy Spirit is not going to say, oh, oh, I'm going to divorce my wife and just marry that woman over there. Let me pursue her. No, he doesn't do that. And I know there are situations and circumstances people get divorced, but that he doesn't make you get divorced one person to marry another. That's not the Word of God. He's not going to say, you know what, I'm going to kill him and nobody knows it. That's not the Word of God. And I know you've thought that, but that's all right. Repent. <laughs> Change your mind. It's like that one preacher said, the guy, he's checking in the hotel, and the guy in the hotel got smart okay with him. He said, Lord, just let me slap him real quick. Nobody will know but me, you, and him. But God knows, and he had to repent. Number three, salvation is based on accepting Jesus as Savior and Lord. 30% of pastors don't believe this. They believe it's good works. Good works. Uh, you're supposed to have good works, but good works don't save you. It's accepting Jesus as Lord. And, and I've been studying this out, and I'm going to explain something just a little bit here. But in John uh, 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way to the Father. If there was another way, then why would God crucify Jesus? There is no other way. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves. Not of yourselves mean not your works. It is a gift of God. So receive it. Today's the day of salvation. Receive it. Not of works lest anyone should boast. Okay? I didn't do it. He did it. That's why we worship. That's why we praise. Everybody say thank you Jesus for saving me. James 2, 7 uh, uh, let me just stop and let's talk about this just for a second. Sin entered the world with Adam and Eve. Y'all with me? Y'all agree with that? Yeah. Nod your head, shake your hand, give me an amen. Yeah. Sin entered the world when they disobeyed God. They listened to Satan's lies. They disobeyed what God said. Satan always said, oh, these angels follow you because you make them. And God said, well, I want a people that will love me and follow me. So he created Adam and Eve. He created you. We'll get to that. You're in the family of God because of what Jesus did. So Adam and Eve are in the garden. They're perfect. They weren't meant to die. Did a funeral yesterday, and I told them I hate death. It's the last enemy. But I'm not supposed to like it. I hate it. Because I'm not, I wasn't created to die, but I die because of sin that's in the earth. There's a curse in the earth because of sin. Adam and Eve sin. If you're a victim of anything, you're a victim of their sin, and you were born in sin because they sinned. Now, there's a little baby right there, probably about a year and a half old, 18 months, whatever. He doesn't understand it. He's not accountable. But once a child gets up to 8, 9, or 10, they become accountable because they can understand what sin is, what doing wrong is. And so Adam and Eve sin, and because they sin, every one of their children, which we are, I are, and you are, we were born in sin. The Bible even says we're slaves to sin. And Jesus told the Pharisees, but he was really talking to everybody, you're of your father the devil. So we have to be translated. We have to be born again. We have to come out of Adam's family and into God's family. How does a slave get set free? 
Another slave cannot set a slave free. And you can work as hard as you want to as a slave and still not earn your freedom. Because you're a slave. They may like you murdering others, but you're still a slave. Jesus came outside of the lineage of Adam. He was born of God. God set it up in Genesis 3 that the seed of the woman, the woman doesn't have a seed, but God spoke through the angel, you will become pregnant. She goes, how's this going to happen? The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Not any man, it's going to be from God. And Jesus was born, God, man, all God, all man. And he came, he was not a slave, but he came to set the slaves free. You see that? He came to set you and me free. He paid the price. It took somebody. He said, I'm the door. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the door. No one can come to the Father except through me. I've come to set you free. I've redeemed you. I have redeemed you. I paid the price for you. Now you have to receive it. It's not a work thing. It's a receive thing. It's an accept it. I'm going to accept it. Do you accept it? Amen. Give me a little bit better. Amen. Amen. Come on. If you're saved, you need to be going, yeah. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. We've been taken out of, out of slavery to sin into the kingdom of God. We're in, we're in Christ now. And if any man in Christ, he's a new creation. Our thinking should start changing. We start to be, have a kingdom mindset. We've got to think about the kingdom of God. Quit thinking about what, uh, 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 what your uncle who's a preacher beat you over the head with, sin, sin, sin. No, we're righteous, righteous, righteous. That comes underneath being grace. We're right with God, but it's up to us to live it. Come on, it's up to us to walk in it. So we've been made free. We're going to preach this more. But but we've been set free from being a slave to sin. That means you can have power over that sin that holds you back. Jesus paid the price. Walked through the door. He said, come out from among him. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. So let's talk just for a second. We read Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 1 says, present your body a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. James said, I show you my faith by my works. If you say you have faith and no corresponding action, you ain't got anything. So I've got to be doing kingdom business if I'm a child of God. It's my reasonable service. I work my behind off to build the kingdom of God in you. I pray over you, look and, 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 and speak into disciple people because it's my reasonable service. I'm not trying to get saved. I'm saved. Yes, I always use it, my mama as an example. I go down and uh, Patrick went down to my mama's house and fixed the sink, fixed, the, fixed this, fixed that, and she didn't pay him a dime. He did it because it's his, it's his mother-in-law, grandmother-in-law. I go down and I help her too, not because I'm trying to be her son. I love her. And then my service to God is because I love God. I love what he has saved me from and delivered me from. And the kingdom of heaven is at hand for everybody. Come on. The Holy Spirit wants to work big things in you. But you have got to get this settled because too many of you are wrestling. I don't know if God loves me. I don't know. Jesus came to die for you to prove that God loves you. For God so loved the world. You were in the world and he took you out of the world. He transformed you. He took you out of that slave nature. Do you have that? Are y'all free today? Yes. 
Come on, you may not be totally free, but it's time to start taking a hold of the reins and just let's go towards freedom. Amen? Quit looking back. Quit looking back. You Come on, you, you're dragging a dead man. You need to cut that rope. Your past is done. You do not have the right to look at your past without looking at the cross. The cross of Jesus. That's where the blood was shed. It was nasty. It was horrible. It was terrible. But he did it for you. And the shed blood, let's just talk about that just for a minute. The shed blood represents Jesus' life. It gives you access to perfection, to getting your prayers answered, which is what righteous people do. The Bible says that the righteous get their prayers answered. Say, I'm righteous. So I get my prayers answered. It's a different way of thinking, isn't it? Well, I'm no good. I'm not any good. God don't ever hear me. I, I don't ever get my prayers answered. Well, that's why you don't, because you don't believe. You have wrong thinking. You need to change and have a confession. You know what? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My righteousness is as filthy rags, but his righteousness in me, woo-wee. God's on the inside of me, and God's my helper. He's my helper. He's my strength, my shield. He's the glory and the lifter of my head. He's the high tower, Psalm said, that we run into. Come on, when you're in trouble, go to the high tower, which is Jesus. And look down at your enemy and spit on him. I know. I'm sorry. Don't want to gross y'all out. I'm a country boy. I was a professional spitter at one time. Anyway, James said uh, in two, James 2.17, it says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God, you do well. I believe in God. Well, listen to this. Even the demons believe, and they tremble. Because they know the power of God. And, and if you want to know, see, people think that the devil and God are fighting. No. Jesus came and put the devil in his place. Them on. God didn't even have to show up. God cast him out of heaven probably with a flicker of his little finger. The Bible says in the last, when we in heaven and we see Satan is brought up before us, we're going to go, that? That little thing right there? That's what just disturbed us all? That's what we're going to see. That, we got to start thinking about, he has no power over me. Let's get free. So number four, know your relationship in Christ. No, relationship, relationship, relationship. My wife and I have a deep relationship. I know what kind of pizza she likes. I know she does not like Taco Bell. I know, I know which side of the bed she wants to sleep on. I know this, I know that because we have a relationship. The closer you are to Jesus, the more you start thinking like him. The more you start acting like him. The more you want to change. The more you want to be stirred up on the inside, this is the kind of relationship that we have. Do you have a, you know, a deep relationship? It's time to have a deep relationship with Jesus. If you haven't noticed, the world looks like it's falling apart. But God, but Jesus, but the Holy Spirit, he's our helper. He's our guide. Come on, there, there are promises in the Old Testament that you can bring forward to the new. Don't go to the Old Testament and get your doctrine. You'll end up doing all kinds of works trying to get saved. We're not doing works to get saved. We're in the New Testament. We live by Jesus' words. 
The Old Testament are promises, and they show us things how we battle even. Their natural battles are our spiritual battles. That God is for us. Go up and take the land. Go take Withville. Go take the land. Come on. Well, I, 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 I am taking myself, Pastor. Well, that's why we're doing this. That's why we're teaching this. You need to get yourself strong so when we go take the land, you're ready. Can I give you 10 people to disciple? There are 16,000 people in Wythe County that do not go to church. Can I give you 10 people? If every church, they divided 16,000, there's not enough churches. We got to go to three services. Might as well get ready. We may be going to two before long. The thing about it is, is we've got to change our thinking. What can I do to help somebody to be a disciple? How can I disciple? I got stuff to help you. I got books, I got tapes, I got DVDs, I got whatever, but you just need to be studying to know, know, know who you are. To know your relationship's good with God. And you know, if it's not good with God, it's not God. <laughs> it's you and me. I, I, I told this two Sundays ago, I said, I was Sunday morning, I said, oh Lord, I missed that, forgive me. And he said, you know, that's cool that you say forgive me, but he goes, I want some action. I want you to quit doing that. Quit saying that. I said, yes, sir. See, it's yes, sir. Because our words have to line up with what we want to be. Amen. Our life has to line up. We have to say what God says and do what God says. So knowing your God-given identity gives you confidence. Write down on your sheet if you're taking notes, confidence. Self-esteem and awareness. Knowing who you are and whose you are changes everything. All right, let's just say it. Say, I'm a child of God. Now start acting like it. Talk to God. My dad's in heaven. I'd love to give him a phone call, but my father is here. He sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's always telling me what the father would say, and he's always telling me what Jesus would say. So I have comfort. I may not have my dad, but I got the father I got Jesus. I got the Holy Spirit. I know I have relationship. I know whose I am. So, so it, when we talk about relationship, let's talk about family. We're in the family of God. Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption to whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Let me stop just for a second. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then you got Acts, and then it starts with Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, all the way down to Revelation. Do you know who those books were written to? Christians, believers, and believers who didn't know who they were. And that's why they were put into a book called the Bible for us. The Holy Spirit told men to put these together so we can understand. And look what it says. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again. So just because you're saved don't mean you never fear. Fear is going to try to creep up, whisper in your ear, you're not going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it all the way to heaven. So, so you've, got to, you've got to confront the, the fears. You've got to confront your fears. Face them up. Well, you're going to die. What if I die? I'm busting heaven wide open. Get out of my face. Well, what if this happens? You know what? God loves me. 
Come on, address it. What about your grandkids? They're going to serve Jesus all the days of their life. That's a promise. And so let's, let's, let's get, a, get into it here. Uh, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. God's your Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you don't have that witness on the inside of you, you need to get saved. I have this witness that I know I'm a child of God. I may backslide, I may do something stupid, but I'll never say that Jesus is not real. I may have trouble, make me get on my knees and my nose bleed and my, you know, crawl around, but God is still real. God is still God. Doesn't mean trouble. Just because you're going through trouble doesn't mean you're not a child of God. Face that trouble. Stand up to it. And so, and so the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. We are the children of God. Say, I'm a child of God. And if children heirs, oh, you got an inheritance. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, we may be glorified with him together. Come on. My grandfather, he knew what the word says. says a grandfather will leave something for his grandchildren. I, I can't remember totally. But he cried on his deathbed to me that he didn't have anything to leave. And I thought, you ain't. And I told him. I said, you ain't got to worry about me. I got God. I got God. And he started telling me his story, reminding me of his story. As he, you know, in World War IV, World War II, he drove a, a milk truck at 13 because he was big for his age, but he had to work to eat. It's a new concept for some people, but hey, <laughs> we're supposed to work to eat. But he cried because I, I got an inheritance in Jesus. It just said it right there. I'm a joint heir with Christ. Whatever Jesus has, I got. Well, what does Jesus have, Pastor Brett? That's why you got to get your Bible out. You got to find those precious promises Peter talks about. By these precious promises, you might be a partaker of his divine nature, that you might have these promises, that you can walk and live in the promises of God. Remember the old hymn, Standing on the promises of Christ our King through eternal ages. Man, I sang that as a kid, and I had no clue. The Bible is full of promises for me, and I'm an heir to them. I hope you're changing your thinking. So, family, and we sang it, friend. Did you know that you're a friend of God? Abraham was a friend of God. The Bible says that we're the children of Abraham. That means that we ought to be friends of God. In John 15, 13, greater love has no one for this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Isn't that good? I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father I've made known to you. I've heard people tell me, you know, if I, I, if I just want to serve God in heaven, if he, he just give me a broom and I can sweep the dust, uh, I can just serve God, if I, just give me a little cabin in glory, Jesus said, no, I'll go to prepare a place for you. And it's not a little cabin. I like little cabins, but you know what? It's not that. And the dust is gold dust if there's any dust at all. You're not a servant. You're a child of God. You're, you're in the family. And not only that, you're a friend of God. I always say Jesus is our king, but it's good to have our brother as a king. And he's our friend. You can ask him things. 
You can go to him and ask him. He'll change your life. Well, I'm afraid to ask him for that. It's time to find a promise and ask him. That's, that's the secret to life is finding a promise to stand on and, and go for it. Whatever's attacking you in life, find a promise that, 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 that God has promised you that'll thwart it, that'll uh, make, make it go away. How about that? So, our relationship with friends and family. Number five is know your position. I know I had these all booked, but I changed them up just to speak them out. But your position goes right in there with relationship. We don't realize our position. Just little old me, underdog. I'm dating myself. That's a cartoon for y'all don't know who that is. Back in the day, it was underdog. It was a cartoon. But most of us think that, you know what? I'm the black sheep. I'm not this. I'm not that. God, uh, God has never done anything for me. Well, you, you don't know your position. You need to learn your position. That you are seated with Christ. That you are in Christ. That your position is right there with Jesus. No matter what we face, what we're going through, his forgiveness, his love will transform us. It will change us. It will take us out of the darkness, out of the trouble. And he'll position us in a better place in life. Let me back up just for a second. The Holy Spirit reminded me. You remember when I was talking about that everybody was a slave? That's why you must be born again. That you were born, Adam was your daddy, and God wants to take you out of that. He's given you a new position in God. But let me say this. Buddha said, I'm the way. Muhammad said, I'm the way. Confucius said, I'm the way. All of those boys, are, they're slaves too. And it doesn't matter what you think your position is in life. You think you've attained something. You're a millionaire. You're this, you're that. You're a doctor, lawyer, Indian chief. You're still a slave until you accept Jesus. And so this positioning comes from your salvation. It's free. You're positioned in Christ. Your family, your friend. And Revelation says your king's. And lords. Queens, lady. It says he's the king of kings and the lord of lords. Who's the king of kings? He's king of us. Come on, hold your head up a little bit higher. You're a king. You're a queen. You're a lord. You're somebody important. You're important to God. You're important to the Father. You're important to Jesus. You're important to the Holy Spirit. It's your position. Let me go ahead and read that in Revelations 1, 5. It says, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. You know, priests have access right into the throne to the grace of mercy. You're a priest. Ladies and gentlemen, you're a priest. You can access the throne and receive grace and mercy. When's the last time you've been there? I want to read one more scripture. I'm going to go back up to Ephesians 2, 5. Even when you were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Even though 
you're sitting physically in this church building right here. Spiritually, you're seated with Christ. Spiritually. You're made in the image of God, and spiritually, your spirit has been marked. The Bible says you got a tattoo on your heart that you're a child of God. You got one on your shoulder in the spirit. The Bible says that you can put on the whole armor of God in the spirit. That you put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. That's in the spirit realm. And your spirit is made like God's. So you are seated with Christ. It's your position. I want you to bow your heads just for a second. Let's go to the throne for some grace and mercy today. Father, we come before you, your throne of grace and mercy. We lay aside our agendas, our hurts, our pains, our unforgiveness, pains of the past, pains of the present. Wash us, Lord. Show us our position. Empower us by your grace to live by the kingdom of God. Help us to be steadfast, unmovable, abounding in every good work. Reveal yourself in the words today that we are children of God, that we didn't earn it, but we have received it. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're not sure of your salvation, and you once and for all want to be sure of your salvation, will you just lift your hand say, pray with me, Pastor Brad. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I will lead you in a prayer. Just lift your hand. That's you. Anyone. Maybe you're here, you got saved a long time ago, but you know what? You've been stirred in your heart that, you know, I haven't been living for God. You know his arms are wide open. He's like the father that's looking for the prodigal son to come home. His arms are wide open, and he wants to put you right back in the position, right back into the family. Matter of fact, the father's always looking for his family to come home. If that's you, just lift your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. I see that hand, that hand. I see that hand. God loves you, every one of you. He wants you to be close to him. Look at me. I don't know about you, but we used to have family reunions. Christmas time, Thanksgiving, and we would gather. And I remember that one time one of my uncles couldn't come and my grandmother cried. Do you know what? You may not believe it, but God cries for you. But he is so happy today that you raise your hand and say you want to come get close to him. And for the rest of us, we need to get closer. We need to draw in closer. We don't get saved every Sunday, but we repent, we cleanse our heart, and we draw closer to God. So let's pray this together. Say, Father, I believe that the blood of Jesus was shed for me. I believe 
because I ask, he takes me back, draws me close, loves me, forgives me, and cleanses me of unrighteousness. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood for my forgiveness. Draw me close today. Holy Spirit, live big in me, stir in me, be real in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to God. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at LegacyFamily.info.